And welcome to episode 14 of Curiosity Killed the Rat, science podcast where we like to sit here, chat about some science, hopefully teach you guys something. I'm Kate, I'm a neuroscientist, and I'm the regular scientist on the show. I'm joined again by my lovely co-host, Matt. Hi everyone, I'm Matt. I'm not a scientist, but I am a science enthusiast. I love learning about science, I love hearing about science, I love breathing science, Living science. Breathing science. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off the I went off the rails a little there. I apologize. But today we have our first ever return guest for the show, the wonderful sky guy, astronomer, spaceman, Benji Metha. Hi. G'day. Hi. How are we doing? <laughs> just, it was such a like it was just such a long-winded build-up intro. <laughs> sky guy, spaceman. Hi. Well. <laughs> I, should I don't have know. I just started I? like I just I just <laughs> expected you to start singing David Bowie for some reason and like start no, it's, um, <laughs> yeah it's um good to have you back here friend of the show Benji why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do oh so I'm a astronomer I recently just got my master's degree but even well, more hey, special than congrats. that I recently uh, got yes. my first citation for my scientific yes. paper yes no that's so exciting no way it's so an it's- achievement it's great is that a it thing for scientists where getting one? cited is, you know, more uh, more noteworthy than actually receiving a degree? Um, <laughs> for me, it is. Like, hey, fair enough. Like, I don't know. Yes. Anyone can get a degree, but to actually, like, make a lasting contribution to society, like, that's something. Exactly. Okay. People, are, people care Degrees about what I'm saying. Degrees just cost money, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, publishing a paper that's actually, that someone else thought was worth building upon that's pretty exciting like very man, nice congrats, dude yeah. i'm so stoked yeah. for you that's awesome what was the um what was, was the in... paper on um <laughs> all right we'll, we'll give it a go we can cut it if it doesn't make sense but um it was about <laughs> ain't that nifty it was about um trying to figure out which kind of stars produce gamma ray bursts which are these huge high energy mm. explosions in the universe i'm so, familiar yeah, with gamma ray bursts so great you're not lost me gamma gamma ray bursts to me just makes me think of like starburst bursts or something and i'm just thinking of these like candies that are like gamma ray bursts get your dose of gamma rays today by yeah wonka. similar yeah except i like, mean we know. were just talking about willy wonka before we started recording and so now i'm just thinking about willy wonka and his gamma ray bursts uh, <laughs> i mean correct me if i'm wrong benji i feel someone consuming gamma rays is just not gonna be great for them no. <laughs> yeah, it's more likely to give you tumors than superpowers, unfortunately. <sighs> you really, say more likely. Really disappointing. All right, that means uh, there is yes. still a chance for superpowers. You know, <laughs> not a big chance, but uh, a- give it a crack. I mean, no, that's not what I endorse. <laughs> Don't consume not. gamma rays. Curiosity kills the rat. Does not condone exposing yourself to gamma radiation in the hopes of achieving superpowers. You will most likely because- get cancer. Your curiosity Gamma rays will killed the human kill being. <laughs> yeah, that's a new show. That can be our spin-off show. With um, you can be you, that you can start a spin-off show of <laughs> gamma rays killed. No, curiosity killed the human with gamma rays. 
I don't know. I've lost it. I thought that was going to be funny and then I That's said it okay. out loud and it just exploded in my face. Much so, like a like gamma ray burst. Hey. We brought it. Like, we saved it. <laughs> just like that. Bring it around. Oh, and that's why you guys are on the show. <laughs> Speaking of bringing it around, what are we talking about today? Because I'm sure you've well, told me, but I can't remember. That's great. That's okay. We'll bring that's it how passionate you are about this topic, Matt. I'm so passionate so that I like to empty my mind of it before going in so I can experience it blind for the first time because mm. there's some joy in that. It's all good. Right. Give all us right. the big so, reveal then. Yeah, I remember last time I was on here, I talked to you all about simulations and that yes. was like pretty mm. fun, but also that pretty abstract. Pretty it wasn't like, you know, something that looked real spacey and it wasn't something physical. And today I thought I'd give you something a bit different, something yes. a bit more Star Wars, something you can actually touch, <laughs> which is rare in astronomy. So I'm going to be talking to you all about um, something very cool. Um, it is the upcoming James Webb Space Telescope. That's right. Yeah. Hubble the second. Yeah, Hubble 2. Hubble 2, the Hubble. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. I quite liked the Hubbling. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, you have ultimate audio rights, Matt. You can choose which quip you like best. Or use both. <laughs> I'll use all of them layered at the same time. All the time. better to quip you with. <laughs> Amazing. You're equipping me with the best chances. Hey. So what makes the Hubble 2, the Hubbling, better than the Hubble 1, Elrond edition? Right. Well, let's talk about that. So Hubble, right? What do we know about Hubble? It's pretty cool. It's done a lot of stuff. In fact, it has actually been involved in over... 1.3 million observations and contributed work that was used in 17,000 published science papers. How Holy long is it? fuck. Oh, fuck. How long yeah, has it right? been up there so, I mean, <laughs> so that's the other thing. Hubble was first launched in 1990. That's older than so all of us. When you okay, put it about so like 30 years. 30 years. So when you put it in those kind of um, perspectives, you can say... Hubble was great. Hubble, like, you know, created all of these new fields, gave us all of these awesome observations, beautiful pictures, and science that we're still, like, using today. People are still, like, you know, taking observations with Hubble and also, like, analysing archival Hubble data. I feel we should also um, say, just in case there are any listeners who aren't aware of what the Hubble telescope is, um, am I right in saying it's a, it's a telescope that's actually in orbit around our planet that was launched into space from a rocket ship? That's right. So um, there's a couple of good advantages for um, like putting a telescope in space. Um, first of all, one thing you might notice is on Earth we have these things called days and nights. Yeah. And when it's daytime, you can't really look at I anything. I have noticed those. I am aware of day. And <laughs> Some might say I'm a bit of a scientist myself. <laughs> observant. Notice them days and them nights and the... Uh, there you go. I think them? that's step one to becoming a scientist. I feel like that's the bare minimum. Be aware that there is day and night. Yes. Cool. Good to know I'm well on my way. So, yeah, that's like one thing. If you're in space, you don't really have that problem. You can observe all the time as long as you can choose your targets correctly and like be willing to like maneuver around looking at the Earth and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Another thing you might notice is that on Earth, we have these annoying things called clouds. Um, ah. And if you're an annoying? observational astronomer, cool. they're so annoying. So I oh, had one of my friends last well, I mean, year. Okay, um, that makes sense. They got time on this awesome space, awesome telescope in Hawaii. It's called the Keck Telescope. They got three nights of observing time, and it was cloudy for all three nights, oh, and so they got no, no science done. 
I heard a story. So that's like, I heard a story of a scientist. I can't remember the name of the scientist or when or any of the important details about it, but. Um, there was an astronomer back in like the 1600s or 1700s or something like that who really wanted to observe a particular eclipse or some kind of astronomical event. And basically he went like across the ocean to another country. I think he went to France or he went to the Americas. He was initially from Europe. I, As I'm reciting this story, I'm now realizing there are many, many <laughs> details I don't know about. Point is, astronomer yeah, was like, went long are distance. Are you telling a story or a choose your own adventure? <laughs> like, an astronomer went a long distance to. Uh, sorry, hang on. A what? An, an anemone. An, an, an anemone. An, an astronomer. An astrophysicist went <laughs> a large distance to observe some kind of astronomical phenomena. Um, and because this was back in the days of, you know, the only way to get places was by long ass fucking tall ships and stuff. He was gone for a very long time and it was a lot easier for him to just kind of like settle down in this place he went to. Um, and then finally when the day came around for the observation to take place, it was like a once in a thousand years phenomenon that he was trying to observe. It was, it was cloudy that day. So he couldn't even see it. And so he lost all of his, you know, money and shit. And then when he returned home after all these years, everyone had presumed he was dead. They'd already written him an obituary. They had oh, sold all no of way. his belongings. His wife had remarried. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. If you want, I can give you that story, but like a little bit more accurate. Oh, you know the story. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. A little bit. So the guy you were actually mentioning there, Matt, uh, was actually a French dude by the name of Guillaume Le Gentil, which is like one of the Frenchest names that you will I knew it had episode. something to do with France. Yeah. <laughs> Did and you though, the phenomena <laughs> you, you seem to also qu- question that a little <laughs> I was searching sure. the whole time <laughs> And the phenomena that he was investigating Was um, the transit of Venus That's So transit of Venus is an interesting one Because it only comes around once every 100 or 150 years or so uh, 243 years Oh Maybe wow Jump That's, in with that yep. one and Not quite a thousand you, years, Matt, but... <laughs> the other thing is there's usually two in a row that are separated by like 8, 10, 12 years or so. Oh, wow, okay. So, so, so he, basically, had a, he had a second chance, right, then? Yeah, this guy um, set off in 1761, went to observe that transit, um, got clouded off, figured, you know what, it took me like six months to get here on my big old boat, may as well hang around for another seven years and wait for the next transit. Right. And then it was cloudy that night too. And so that's why he was presumed dead. It's because it had been like an eight-year gap and maybe uh-huh. his mail just hadn't made it home or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or that's he just it. decided not to let anyone else know about his plans because, you know. <laughs> In which case, that's on him, right? If his wife remarries and he didn't tell her that, you know, hun, I won't be home from work today. I'm going to hang around another eight years. Like, <laughs> do, sorry, do but that's on him. Do you remember where it was he said? off to from France? Yeah. Where was he trying to so, observe this? Did, oh, so if you it said it, happening, I'm sorry. No, it was happening in India. I don't think I did say it. Right, okay. So that makes sense then, I guess, if the mail didn't get there, because, you know, 1700s, you're trying to send a letter to France from India, that's not always going to be as reliable as Zoom isn't, you know? <laughs> yeah, look, that's fair. But we've gotten we've gotten well off topic here. I want to come back to, you know... No, we're the still Hubble on topic. Basically... Clouds are a pain, right? Yeah. This is explaining <laughs> <Another pain. laughs> why space telescopes are a good thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So okay. You, Fair. Um, yeah. When you're in space, you don't have to worry about clouds. Um, the other thing you don't have to worry about is the atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, if you've ever like you know been outside in the nighttime, you'll notice that stars do this real weird, weird twinkling thing. Yeah. Um, that's that, basically. That I think they made a song about I it. Thought, um, there, I was going to say, there's a whole song that you know explains that twinkle, twinkle, little yeah. star. How um, I wonder the, what you are. Yeah, deep, up profound. Above the world's um, Damn. <laughs> like I a diamond in the sky. Cake. It makes sense. It's like a diamond in the sky, and diamonds twinkle. Good. Like that's that's the science of it, right? Yeah. That no. Um, so what's going on there <laughs> is you've got this big old thing in the way between you and the star. It's called the atmosphere. It's ah, got all these that old um, chestnut. Yeah, all these like dust particles, all this air, all this turbulence, basically really screwing up the image that you'd get from looking at the star. Quite And rude. so basically, yeah, when you want to do um, good astronomy, basically you want as little atmosphere between you and the things you're looking at as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And so historically they used to build observatories on top of mountains for this reason. Yep. The atmosphere is a little thinner up there. You get less mm-hmm. interference, less turbulence, less noise. Um, but being in space is just like the best thing you can do, right? Um, there's nothing. It's like a giant you mountain. You're so you're... high up that you. Yeah, it's the best mountain that you can get to. Amazing. And so, yeah, Hubble Space Telescope launched in 1990. Um, did some amazing work, as we talked about. Um, but it was launched in 1990. Right. And the technology between now and 1990, mm. we've gotten a bit better. Like Only 1990 for context. <laughs> they didn't have DVDs. If you wanted to watch a movie, you had to load up a VCR. Oh, right. If you wanted, like, a, a key gaming console of the time would have been the original Game Boy. Like, that was state-of-the-art yeah. in 1990. Mm. Gosh. So yeah, Hubble is, like, a little, amazing. Yeah, we have come a little, little bit of a way. Hubble's amazing. No one's disputing that. But if you compare Hubble and technology to the 90s to technology now... Yeah. You can see that there's probably some sort of room for improvement. And right? I guess it's not the sort of thing you can kind of update as you go along, right? You can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, chuck some Yeah, the latest stuff, firmware patch for Hubble has been or, uploaded. Uh, <laughs> like, you know. Interesting you, you should mention out, it. Right. Yeah. There has been like several um, servicing missions to Hubble. So Hubble's oh, broken okay. before and we've fixed it. But oh, you can't really upgrade Hubble. And yeah. I'll get to like, yeah. you know. What James, James Webb is kind of going to be a completely different instrument altogether as well. So okay. it's technologically going to be better, but it's also mm-hmm. scientifically. A lot of the things that it's trying to observe are inspired by things that Hubble can't observe or right. things that we've learned since putting Hubble out. Hubble walked so James Webb could run. Mm, yeah. So what are some of the things that is going to make the James Webb telescope better than the Hubble telescope, other than the fact that we can probably, you know, put a PS5 up there rather than a Game Boy, you know? You can have some kind <laughs> yeah. of 4K graphics, you know, maybe get some We can Netflix that shit instead drops, of VHS. Um, <laughs> all right, so here, here's, here's the cool thing. Here's, like, the coolest science thing that I know. Um, <laughs> that's, wow, that's a big call, the coolest science yeah, thing Yeah, no, the coolest know. science thing that I know. Um, uh, it's something happens when you try to how do I want to put this how do I want to do this I'm going to do this in the form of a riddle all right oh I love this all right all right so um let's imagine for a second that everything in the universe suddenly becomes twice as big so you become twice as big your chair becomes twice as big your house becomes twice as big all the rulers around you and stuff also becomes twice as big so the question I have for you is would you be able to notice 
would the space between us, like, would, would the air between objects get twice as big or would everything get closer yep. together? Everything gets twice as big, air becomes twice as big, space becomes twice as big. Well, you wouldn't. Sure, no, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't right? Because, because relativity, yeah? Exactly. The only way that we, you know, make sense of our place in the world is by comparing our experience with the, yeah, things around us, right? Almost. So, Damn. space becomes twice as big, everything becomes twice as big, light becomes twice as big. And this is something that you may or may oh. not remember from your high school physics studies. Oh, I but see where this is going. The I wavelength think. of light corresponds to the color of it. Right. So everything so would change color. Everything changes color. Which gets bigger. <sighs> That's, That's mind blow number one. Exploding. Mind yeah. blow number two, right? The universe oh, is expanding. Uh-huh. So when we see an object from a long time ago, its light takes time to reach us. During that time, the universe expands. The universe is expanded. So it's a different and color. And then the light becomes more red. So what Wait, you're say saying that again. Is- Okay. So if we're looking at a distant galaxy, something that's like, you know, one billion light years away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During that billion years, the universe has been expanding. Yes. And so the light from that galaxy will also expand. And when it reaches us, it'll look more red. Right. Red shifting. Yeah. Red shifting. Yeah. Right. And so this that's cosmological oh. redshift effect oh. was discovered by Hubble, not the telescope, the person in oh. 1923. Um, Dang. Um, and then Hubble was basically, it was an optical telescope. It was a UV telescope. It could observe all of the near universe stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. But James Webb, one of the things it's going to do is it's going to be observing the first galaxies at that Fuck. distance. And when you want to look that far away, you can't use an um, optical telescope anymore. You need to use an infrared telescope. Dang. Right, yes. because so it's you're looking be so far away that everything will have redshifted so much. There's not going to be any just, light above that frequency It's not going to be in the optical wavelength. It's going to exactly. be in the infrared wavelength. Like, yeah. That's interesting about redshifting. My brain's I, um, just like misinterpreted physics class back in the day. I thought the reason things got redshifted when they were further away was because the smaller wavelengths, frequencies of light had just become like dissipated or didn't quite reach it yet because the wavelengths were shorter and red shifted wavelengths only kind of got to us if they were further away because they were longer and could travel that distance. I didn't realize it was due to the universe itself expanding and thus the light within expanding as well along with it as it's going over those distances. That's yeah, way so redshift is so much a cooler, direct yeah. consequence of the expansion of the universe. And that's like how they realized that the universe was expanding too. Like they saw that oh, distant yeah, galaxies yeah. looked redder and they were like, hey, what's up with that? Are they all traveling away? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe this. So cool. That oh, is no. so like cool. Best science fact. Language. Am I wrong? <laughs> Honestly, you could drop the mic right now, end the episode, and I would be satisfied. I would be like, you yeah, know what? Right? I have learned Well, thanks so much today, for listening to the episode this week. For it's, uh... <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking about it. I was thinking like, yeah, honestly, Redshift could just be a mini-sode if you guys need like a gap week. Gosh, but that we should, we should just like consider that for sure. That's amazing. Yeah. I just, my mind. Anyway. That's but no, the, I wanted to talk about James Webb. I had to talk about redshift. So that's one of the things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be an infrared telescope, and that will let us see further. Yeah. Um, 
That's I so am cool. just going to write right now, do a little screen share. Here is my trusty little screen share. Can you guys all see that? Oof. Yeah. Not going right. to lie, that so, looks like a Star Destroyer with a gun on it. Yeah, I was going to say that's something right? straight out of Star Wars. <laughs> you can see that, why I chose it? this, is knowing that, that you are both. This is a um, visualization of the James Webb Space Telescope, yeah. That is no baller. Way. That is baller. Right? That is so, um, fucking hell cool. Kate, do you want to, like, describe this for the listeners at home who haven't we'll, yet uh, typed in James Webb Space Telescope? Otherwise, we'll also <laughs> provide a, uh, a link to this image in the uh, episode oh, description as well. Oh, we're providing links oh, we plenty. will definitely <laughs> drop this. But, like, if you don't look at it... Yeah, it's it literally looks like a Star Destroyer, so, like, a big old, you know, triangular spaceship with a big old laser beam attached to it. It's, it's not as <laughs> much a laser. It's roof. sort of like a satellite dish thing but the way it's that like it's a satellite, got like yeah. that point but, that you know, triangle at the front of it makes it look like it's in a my mind laser thing this you know? is a crossover between the phineas and ferb universe and the star wars universe and we have dr doofenshmirtz standing up there being like this is my laser beam nator 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 <laughs> and i'm but going this, to I destroy see all the way back to the it. start of time <laughs> <laughs> i will use this information to take over the entire tri-state area what? Perry the platypus? <laughs> oh, Damn you. Okay. It's just but... a platypus on the telescope. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah. just, yeah. Anyway, Fun we're going to stop this This telescope forever. is actually going to be the first platypus man's um, space object. <laughs> um, when I look at this, there's like two features of this that like kind of look the most striking to me. So one of them, you see this massive like structure thing with like a pointy bit at the front of it. That's awesome. Um Behind that, you can also see this array of 17, 17? You, this array of 18 um, golden hexagons, sort of in a honeycomb structure behind it. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I didn't even notice the hexagons before. I was so just like caught up in the whole big pointy structure. But they, they look like, I mean, I want to say solar panels. I feel like they're probably not solar panels, but they do are look quite not shiny. solar panels. They um, are very shiny. So what, what you're looking at, this is actually um, the primary mirror for the James Webb Space Telescope. Oh, dang. Oh, I think so, I get it. Yeah. In astronomy, basically, bigger is better. If you've got a larger mirror, a larger collecting area, you can get more light in a shorter time. Yeah. Think of it as sort of like, you know, if you have um, a baseball glove, that lets you catch more baseballs. Mm. That makes sense. So, like, what's the scale of this? Like, what what are we actually looking at? Because, I mean, like, it's taking up my, my laptop screen at the moment and this top structure is the same sort of size as the bottom structure, but, like, what what size is this compared to, what I don't size know, is if this? Perry the platypus was standing next to it, how small would he be? How many um, platypuses or, or, you could know. you fit on the James <laughs> Telescope? So, yeah, Asking keeping... the hard-hitting questions here on Curiosity Killed the Rat. So, yeah, um, Hubble, that had a primary mirror size of 2.4 metres in diameter, which is huge. No one's mm -hmm. disputing that that's huge. Mm -hmm. This one right here is going to be 6.5 metres in diameter. Ooh. So oh. it's going to be seven times the surface area, seven times the light capturing power. Dang. That that's is an impressively hefty Six boy. very small humans standing on top of one another. Exactly. <laughs> Or maybe um, three Dr. Doofenshmirtzes wearing top hats. Do you reckon so Doofenshmirtz is a two metre tall dude? I don't know. He strikes me as tall, don't you think? Yeah, He's okay. like Waluigi height. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> we are blending so many universes right now and I'm loving it. 
That's my unit um, of measurement, meters and Waluigi's. Yeah, <laughs> our universe, real universe. Um, because this thing is real. Like, I keep talking about all these, like, fantasy universes because this seems like something straight out of, like, not real life. But, like, this is real. This is, yeah. this is a real thing. Okay, so, so anyway. Waluigi, he is 231 <laughs> centimeters tall. He's seven foot seven. He's a tall boy. So what's... Um, so yeah, like three Waluigi's. No? Yeah. No, that's yeah. bad now. So, yeah. Two so Hubble meters, is one large Waluigi. Yeah. This is three large Waluigi's. <laughs> Dang. There you go. Damn. Okay. Damn. Put so that now that we've podcast. firmly cemented that uh, size reference in everyone's heads... Okay. So more so we'll come it. up with relatable analogies that people can really picture, especially oh, in sure. an audio medium. <laughs> so yeah, um, right. We've said that it's big. That it's also like two other features for it. One of them is this like honeycomb sort of pattern to it, and one of them is um, the color of it, gold. Mm. So yes. the 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 honeycomb pattern. Um, I don't know if you know this, but most rockets are not six point five meters across. No, I'm, I was just so, wondering, how are they planning on getting that to space? Because That's the yeah. thing. It <laughs> folds up. What? No. It what? folds up. Oh, oh. damn. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to stop the share now just so we don't like keep talking about this thing that we're looking at. Um, <laughs> it folds up. So that's basically the, the honeycomb design is so that it can fold its sides in. And also the bottom of it folds up as well. The top of it folds down and it can all fit inside a rocket shuttle. That's like, oh, oh my gosh, that is that is amazing. Yeah, I love because that. I, I wasn't sure if they would do like what they did with the ISS and that where they like take it up in parts and try and assemble it in orbit, orbit mm. or whether they'd like put the whole thing in one giant bubble and just use a shit ton of fuel to get it up there. But Yeah, nah. we're not assembling it in orbit and I'll tell you why later. Okay. But um, the other thing is um, the color of it, gold, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as actually plated in real gold um, because science is bougie, but also because <laughs> um, gold is better at reflecting infrared light. So right. if you were oh, just okay. to use yeah. like a regular sort of mirror-like material, that would be sort of like the best for optical things. But if you want infrared, there's not a better reflector than gold. And I did there look it go. up how much gold is used in it. Because it's such a thin layer, that entire space telescope only has 48 grams of gold in it total. How much is oh, that? Oh, wow. Worth? I'm um, not too familiar with my uh, uh, gold trading amounts at the moment. Me neither, <laughs> I mean, but we'll like get to the cost of were, this telescope you know, at the end leaf, of the episode. And how many meals could I put that on if I were a bougie person who liked to have gold leaf with my meals? You know, how long <laughs> would it take me to eat the James Webb telescope? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> How many platypuses could you serve? <laughs> How many platypuses does it take to eat the James Webb telescope? <laughs> Your time starts now. Uh, <laughs> so chaotic. The other feature that really stands out to me when I'm looking at this boy is down the bottom there, you can see this layer of five um, sun shields. Yeah, okay. That's yeah, they're they kind are. of they're stacked on top of each other. I didn't really stacked on each other before. Yeah, so it's like well, we're like talking about size scales. Eat space lasagna. So each of these is so about how the long size does it take it. to eat? <laughs> so it's a space lasagna with gold leaf <laughs> toppings. Okay, I'm I'm following now. Yeah. Oh, fuck Very it, why bougie. not? Like that's <laughs> that's the analogy we're going with right now. 
<laughs> what we've arrived at. Are we all hungry? We're we trying to get people like... excited about science. We're trying to make this thing sound as cool as possible. Space lasagna with gold leaf. I only have one question. What is the uh, what is the space bechamel in this instant? You know, what's the what's the white just, sauce just in space. between the layers? Just space. Just, just the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so sun shields. <laughs> sun shields. Right. So the other thing about infrared that I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with is that things that are body temperature glow in the infrared. Mm. Right. Night vision. So the the one thing that you really don't want this um, James Webb Space Telescope getting to is those sort of temperatures because then the whole thing will oh, be then glowing it'll glow. in the wavelength. Yeah. It's mm. basically like trying to take a, 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 um, a photo but your camera is also emitting light at the same time. Like, it's not mm. going to work. You'll just be saturated. Isn't that what every a flash is, though? No, but like that's, the flash that's is inside the camera. light as well. Oh, right. Isn't it? No, I get what you mean. Yeah. So it's basically like the entire thing would just be like emitting light and you wouldn't be able to capture anything. Yeah. So because of that, it's basically got um, two sides to it. So it's got the hot side, and then the sun shields are blocking all the sun from the cool side. Okay. Um, so on the hot side, it's going to be about. 85 degrees Celsius, just because it's like tidally locked. Yeah. On the cold side, it's going to be about negative 233 degrees Celsius. We got ourselves a tiny little man-made mercury up here. Exactly like that. Um, And just because I have to say it, the sun shields are made of something called Kapton. And if that's not the coolest space agey man-made metamaterial, I don't know. I'm calling it it now. The next superhero is going to be Captain Kapton. Captain Kapton. Kapton (laughs) with a K, just so you know. Obviously, like <laughs> is Capton the closest thing we have to vibranium? So could Captain America have a shield made of Capton? Capton America? Cool. Yeah, it's a good America. joke, so I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just basically something that's really thin, really light, and really good at like you know reflecting um, infrared. So basically, it can stop um, heat from going onto the telescope. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's so cool. another thing you might notice. Uh, it's a bit of a subtle detail, but down the bottom, there is this box on the hot side, and that's where all of the electronics are going to sit as well. So the reason for that is, of course, oh, electronics... They're the glowy bits. They're the they, glowy they bits. will emit yep. heat. Um, yeah. And mm. also, like, it's sort of a thing where um, electronics are sort of designed to work on Earth. That's where mm. we've made all of our electronics before. And so if you put them in, like, negative 233 degrees Celsius, things break. Well, and yeah. so they yeah. just keep it on the hot side because, you know, you want all your hot things in the hot room and all your cold mm. things in the cold room. Right. I'm having a look at this picture and I'm not noticing any, like, it might be there, but I, that I can't see much in the way of um, thrusters or anything like that. How's it going to be able to maneuver itself around to point at different things or evade any uh, obstacles that might encounter it? So, um, about that. Um, so <laughs> at the moment, there's like one thing that yeah, I haven't look, it's like just really... gonna pop it on the chin. <laughs> there's one thing I haven't really told you yet, and that this is not going to be anywhere near the Earth. Well, Art? on the grand scheme of things, it might be near the Earth, but um, basically, Hubble right now is going to be orbiting is orbiting us at a height of around 550 kilometers. Mm-hmm. For reference, we call that what's... low Earth orbit. Is that sim- same? Um same kind of area that the ISS is orbiting? Yeah, so they're both in low Earth orbit, which is around, you know, 400 to 600 kilometers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all of your, like, satellites that are currently going around here, that's where, you know, 
SpaceX's um, Skynet. No, it's not called Skynet. Whatever. Um, all of the satellite <laughs> constellations, all your GPS, all your internet, they're all orbiting in low Earth orbit. Mm. James Webb Space Telescope is not going there. It is actually going one and a half million kilometers to the other direction. What? I was expecting like, yeah, no, it's like only going to be going like 2,000, one and a half million. Okay. Um, is it going to be like, you know, forgive me for not remembering my astronomical distances by heart, but I don't know. Is it going to be hitting the moon at, length, at that length potentially, you know? So the moon is about 380,000 kilometers away. It's further. It's going to be going further away than the on moon. On the other side of the moon, on the other side of the sun. So let me like delve into that a bit more. Um, so, where, where? is it not <laughs> even going to be orbiting where? the Earth? Is it I don't even be, have words. Are we no. putting it into the solar system to orbit the Sun? We're putting it at something called a Lagrange point. I don't know. This. Oh yes, a Lagrange yeah. point. I say as yes. <laughs> so I know what the hell that means. Please Let's explain. get into it. All right. So like you know, basically, there's a few points in um, the system of the Earth and the Sun's orbit that are stable. And if you put an object there, they won't fall anywhere. So, like, you can imagine if you put an object just directly between the Earth and the Sun, right? Mm -hmm. If it's too close to the Sun, it's going to fall into the Sun. Mm -hmm. If it's too close to the Earth, it's going to fall into the Earth. Right. But there is one point right in between those two. It's kind of like a balancing point. balances, yeah. Mm. The gravity's equal. So, um... Back in um, the the 17th century, back in the 17th century, there was this dude, Joseph Louis Lagrange, second Frenchest name on this podcast. I'm loving all the French names this episode, (laughs) keep them coming. Yeah. So he was some old French guy, white hair, hooked nose, apparently really timid, really mild mannered. But he was one of those guys who was just like, calculus had just been invented. And Mm -hmm. so he sort of made his name just solving all of these really hard calculus problems and inventing all of these methods like Lagrange multipliers that we use all the day, (laughs) all the time. Um, But yeah, basically we, we together, we could find one of those points, but he said, there's not just going to be one of these points. There's going to be five points. If you balance out all the forces, all the gravities, all the centripetal forces, all of this kind of stuff in any object's orbit where you can put something and it'll stay there. So that's really cool. L- like, I mean, it makes, L1, it makes sense yeah. that it exists, but like, I'd just, ask why so there's wild. five points, but I assume the ex- explanation is just incredibly mathematical. Uh, three of them make sort of sense and two of them are really, really weird. Um, but basically you have to solve a bunch of partial differential equations and then they just kind of fall out. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. You, you, you just you need have some to business. like plug in some numbers and do some things, and sh- the answers just fall out, man. It's just come on, Matt. <laughs> I'll, I can. I don't know. I'll give it a crack. So one of them is um, right in between the Earth and the Sun. It's that kind of balancing point. Mm-hmm. There's another one that's sort of like if you imagine the Sun in the middle and the Earth orbiting it. Mm-hmm. There's one that's sort of like on the direct opposite point of the Earth. In so the like orbit. on the other side of the Sun. Other the side of the Sun. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like they're spinning around each other. Yep, yep. And then L2, which is the famous one that um, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope is going to, okay. is sort of like further out from the Earth than the Sun. Yes. That's wild. Yes. That's like no, wild okay. to my brain. <laughs> then there's two others, but they're, they're, really, they're really weird. I have no um, intuitive far, um, understanding of where they are. But How far out would it need to be going before it starts to do things like encounter other planets in our solar system 
no, 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 no. It's, it's less, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. that. Space okay. is really right. big and three-dimensional. Yeah, like, okay. there, there's not... <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. I could try to find some numbers, but yeah, bas- basically, no. Solar system is super, super empty. Mm. No, I remember seeing lots of demonstrations and stuff where a person's like, yeah, let's just pretend this tennis ball's our sun and now I'm going to walk up this field to where Mercury is and then they end up, you know, walking a few hundred fucking kilometres before they get to where Pluto is to demonstrate the absurd scale of mm. Well, there's everything. for everyone that lives in Melbourne, for not now, because we're in the middle of a locked-down pandemic, but when we're allowed to leave our, you know local vicinities again there's actually a like planet walk down in st kilda where it has the scale of the whole solar system between the so you like you walk along the waterfront for i think it's like 16 kilometers or something and there's like little ball bearing getting up Mm. to you know maybe tennis ball sized planet things at their relative distances it's pretty cool it's a good little like run along there when you're allowed right. to. So, yeah, um, L2 is, like, advantageous for, like, a couple of reasons. So when you're Hubble, you're orbiting the Earth. It's pretty good. You can observe things more or less 24-7. But you've got the Earth to worry about. You've got the the, the moon to worry about. That can get in the mm-hmm. way of your observations. Mm-hmm. And you've got, got like, a 90-minute orbit as well. So, like, if you, ca- you can't really absorb, observe something continuously because mm-hmm. the Earth will keep getting in the way. When you're at um, L2, though... All of that Earth, Moon, Sun shenanigans is on one side. You've got the sun shield between you and all of that bullshit. And then you can just look at whatever you want for as long as you want, uninterrupted. How's the serenity? My God. Just you in the open sky. Just you and whatever the hell you need to look at right now. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So that's like one of the advantages of it. One of the disadvantages of it is that if something breaks up there, we are not going to be able to get a servicing mission up there to fix it. That was going to be my next question. Like you said, we've had a few repair missions to Hubble, but like how, like a, how are we going to get this guy out, out into warp warp in the first place? B, what the hell are we going to do if slash when it breaks? Right. Um, <laughs> if slash when it breaks, fucking touch wood guys, because I don't um, know. <laughs> my wooden desk. <laughs> um, how are we going to get it out there? That's a that's an interesting one. So, like, I don't know if you guys tuned in a couple of days ago. There was um, the big old Dragon launch from SpaceX. Did you guys watch that? No, I, I didn't. did not. Uh, Wait, I'm a right. that, that's, so, that's so disappointing. It's like, do you guys watch that? We're both just like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I got up. It wasn't too early. It was like 10 a.m. local time, which was like, you know. 3 p.m. American time or something. Yeah, I genuinely had no Fact excuse not to accept um. that I didn't. Um, and now I feel ashamed that I didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, that rocket um, got up to speeds of about 20,000 kilometers per hour. Yeah, go on. No, 30,000 kilometers per hour. Yeah, um, go that on. Was miles per hour. Yeah, Tw- 30,000 kilometers per hour. And that could get us to um, L2 in two days. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah okay. Wow. But there's a problem with that. Ain't no thing. Well, yeah, because you'd the have to slow is... down once you got there. Otherwise, you'll just keep going, right? <laughs> exactly. How do you physics. break? <laughs> good old mm. physics. So instead, um, James Webb's taking a bit of a slower route. Mm. Um, basically, think of it as you're putting all of the force that you'd need to get there in right at the beginning. And then as you kind of get towards it, the Earth-Sun system slowly like pulling you back. 
Mm-hmm. And so by the time that you arrive at L2, you've got just enough force to make it, but mm-hmm. not enough force to go over. So it's it's like playing golf. That's the exact analogy or that curling, I was thinking. It's like or mm. or ball or that, yeah. that balls. Yeah. Balls, balls. Yeah. I like the analogy of like mini golf a lot. It's like you hit mm. all of your force right at the beginning. And the ball kind of, as it goes up that hill to the hole, it gets slower and slower and slower. And when it's like, when it gets right to the top of the hill, it just drops in. It's got no velocity. I love that. That's beautiful. It's like yeah. rich, rich, rich old guys playing golf, but taking it to like the next <laughs> level of rich old guys playing golf with a bloody space telescope. Yeah, space golf. I'd like to um, think that all physicists are just secretly really good at golf. <laughs> we try That's to be sl- really good at pool. Yeah, I was we all say, pretend tell that. Me ben, how, how <laughs> <do I do> <laughs> well, I feel like there's a difference yeah. between having a really strong theoretical understanding of something and then being actually able to apply it in practice with your own human body and motor skills. Those are two completely that's, different. That's a good completely point. Completely different things. Yeah, our um, limbs are not as precise as our mathematical models. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's going to take about a month for it to get up there. And then yeah, it'll okay. spend another That's month unfolding, deploying, testing everything, making sure everything's ready to go. And then it should be ready to take observations within six months of getting up there. That is insanely cool. So, like, right. <laughs> when is this happening? <laughs> is it, like, you know, ready to ready to pump out or, like... Or has COVID kind of delayed it? Happening? Oh, yeah, this whole thing. When is this happening, guys? Mm. Is that the million-dollar question? Have I have I touched a sore spot here? Is that the million-dollar question? So I've got a confession to make. Mm. Um, this is this is a bit of a meme. It's <laughs> already launched, community guys. <laughs> is, um, so James Webb was first proposed in 1996. So again, for the exact (laughs) same reasons that we want to launch it now, it's like, you know, Hubble's so old and we can do so much better at high redshift. They were doing this in the day of Game Boys and VCR, but now we've got N64s and DVDs. Like technology's got so much better. There's all of this new, (laughs) there's all of this new science that we want to do at high redshift. Let's launch it. And then they like wrote a proposal. They're like, yeah, fantastic. And then, you know, Congress, they want to get funding. Congress is like, Mm -hmm. all right. How long will it take? How much will it cost? They're like, we can get it done by 2007 and it'll cost half a billion dollars. Congress says, mm-hmm. hmm, okay, let's do it. All right. Okay, and then we get a long series of delays and funding increases. So in 1996, mm-hmm. it'll be out in 2007 for half a billion dollars. 1998 rolls around. They're like, all right, we kind of underestimated some stuff. It's going to cost $1 billion. And they're like, all right, okay, a billion dollars. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Year 2000 comes around. They're like, ah, oh, look, there's been some setbacks. It's going to be out in 2009 and it's going to cost $2 billion. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. Yeah. 2005 rolls around. 2005, they're like, no, 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 no. We designed that thing in 1996. We've got iPods and Xbox 360s now. Technology's <laughs> got so much better. We're going to do a huge major mission redesign. Of course, this will take some time and it'll raise the cost. So it'll be ready in 2013 and it'll cost $3 billion. And so everyone's like, all right, okay, cool, great, all right. 2008 rolls around. 2008, there's this preliminary design review. Everyone says it looks really great. We can definitely have it ready by 2014 for four and a half billion dollars. They're like, oh, (laughs) okay, great, cool. 2010 rolls around. There's this critical design review. They're like, yeah, everything looks really fantastic. We can definitely have it ready around 2015, 2016, and it'll only cost $6.6 billion. (laughs) 
very next year, 2011, NASA says, all right, it's going to take a little bit longer than we thought. It's going to come 2018, and it's going to cost $8.7 billion. Oh, my god! And Congress says no. This is $8.5 billion over budget already. You said it was going to be ready in 2007. It's 2011 now. You say it won't be ready for another seven years. This thing's never going to get launched. We can't just keep throwing money at you. It's been eight years away for 12 years now. It's kind of valid. That's kind of a valid <laughs> complaint. Not yeah. right. So then all the astronomy community writes their letters and they're all like, please, have you seen this thing? It's going to be so cool. We're going to be able to do so much good science with <laughs> all it. All the geeks get their geek on. <laughs> and Congress says, fine, we'll let you do it but we're not giving you any more budget increases and you better have it ready by 2018. Well, see, here's the thing. We're in 2020. <laughs> as far as That's I'm my aware. Line. <laughs> Hang on. 2013 rolls around. Everything's oh, wow. good. Yeah, 2018, 8.7 oh, billion. that's right. We're still back 2014 there, yeah. rolls around. <laughs> Everything looks good. 2016 rolls around. The telescope has completed its construction. Oh, wow. And now it's time for testing. Oh, no. 2017 integrating things, putting it all together is taking a bit of a while. It might take a while longer. It's going to be ready in about spring of 2019. Um, <laughs> okay. Still don't believe you. Every, okay. So people are a bit upset. They're like, are you serious? And they're, and they're like, hey, look at this sun shield. This isn't an easy thing to do. It's like five <laughs> layers all unfolding at once. It's like three Waluigi's high. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Give us a break, guys. And they're like, all right. Okay. 2018. A sunshield rips during a deployment test and they have to postpone things. And so they postpone it until May 2020. Yeah, once again, we're past that. Also, they need another 800. No, we're not. We're in July. Are we? Oh, we, we are, are in July 2020. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, yeah. Ben, how, how, how's you okay? You? Um, and then, like, a few months later, they say, wait, I meant March 2021. <laughs> Right. <laughs> also, we need another $800 million. And Congress was like, uh, we should really say no. We said we weren't going to give them any more money. But, I mean, we've come this far, right? They've already built the there thing. There comes fine. a certain point when you've, like, already invested so invested much into so something much, yeah. that it's kind of like it would be more of a loss to not give them the extra money at this point, right? Mm. Yeah, so 2019, Congress caves. And everyone's saying, all right, March 2021 for a final budget of $9.3 billion. So March 2021. Is that $9 billion since 96 when this proposal was found? Or like in that year, did they give them an additional $9 billion? No, total. No, no, that's total. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, all right, Mar March 2021. March 2021 was the date for a really long time. And then, you know, 2020 happened. happened. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's been a few production delays. Oh, and as of like last Friday, the there was a press release from NASA. The oh, new no. date? Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Fuck. October 31st, 2021. Oh. They're going to release it on Halloween. They're Halloween. still going for it. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, still that's, saying that's Surely we will that's a bad omen. Surely that's asking for something to go wrong. <laughs> it could like, be worse. It could be on a, a Friday date. the 13th, you know? Oh, I suppose, but, like, that's the next worst thing, though, right? Yeah. So, um, fingers crossed, guys. Look, this time it's different, hopeful. I swear. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I was going to say but I hope, actually, hopeful, this but... time. <laughs> actually, though. Oh, oh boy. Wow. 
When it finally gets up there, it's going to be so good though, right? It's going to be so good. People have literally been waiting for this for like, you know, 24 years. Yeah. Matt, this was proposed before you were born. Yeah. This, this was, this project is older than I am. You know, Hubble is older than all of us, but I didn't think James Webb was older than me as well. Maybe not you guys, but. Well, it hasn't been launched yet. So it's still kind of, you know, it's very close. It's got a very long gestation period. Um. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's going to be worth the wait, right? Right. Right. Right? Because imagine how they launched it back in 1996, like you said, back the era of what DVDs now well, is the version like, that's getting released now is that the dvd era version or the v because it's not the vcr or the one. vr the version oh, we're God. up to like full 4d vr experiences 4D. now right yeah <laughs> four dimensions right. where you go to like you know you go to the theme parks and they like throw water on you as well while you're watching oh, shrek yeah. and call it four dimensional yes the fourth dimension i think dimension this is touch. still the 2005 <laughs> design but i'm not like entirely sure Right, okay, so we're mm-hmm. still going to be running it on a PS3, not a PS5, but, you know. Yeah, but I mean, so, like, there's a couple of, like, cost-wise, there is some criticisms. Like, you couldn't <laughs> quite end homelessness in the US for that money, but you could halve homelessness in the US for that money. So is <laughs> yeah. it worth it is sort of a question that keeps me up at night. The way I kind mm. of, like, the other way you can look at it is um, the US military budget is oh. $728 billion mm-hmm. a year. So when you put it in those terms, then like, you know, $10 billion over 24 years, this is a bargain, right? Yeah. This is so much more worthwhile than any of that. Which but raises the real, other like, questions about yeah. uh, <laughs> questions that we won't get definitely into, too but. political for me to dive into. <laughs> I'm just getting daggers from Matt as I open my mouth and so I am firmly shutting it again. <laughs> the real question for me, and this is the hard one, is like that um, $10 billion dollars odd was like the astronomy budget for a really long time and so Mm -hmm. because all of this science is being pumped into this one thing Mm. it's not being used in other things and so there have been a few critics that say that james webb space telescope has really like you know uh, basically been a parasite that stopped astronomy from getting the um funding that it should have because it just soaked up so much of it due to bad management and everything Mm. but I think it will still be worth it in the end. Like, it's going to be really cool. (laughs) It kind of has to be at this point, doesn't it? And if I haven't convinced your listeners that James Webb is going to be really cool, then I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You're best. I'm convinced. I'm I'm convinced. Well and really convinced. I don't normally I now feel invested. I'll usually geek out over most space-related things, so. (laughs) No, no, I think... I feel I feel thoroughly invested in the whole like narrative of this telescope now and I'm going to be like watching as, you know, October 2021 rolls by and we still haven't released it. Uh- <laughs> so we yeah, need 10 billion dollars. We're coming out for <laughs> June 2022. I swear this time final deadline, guys, okay? June 2023. I said 20 I said yeah. Yeah, exactly. October 2023. Yeah, I, I heard I you say I heard I I heard the 15 25. billion dollars um- final amount. That's so yeah, you can understand July why like, 2030, final There's offer. all the jokes in the astronomy community You never ask, you know, a woman their weight You never yeah. ask your supervisor their age And you never ask an astronomer when James Webb Space Telescope is <laughs> Like, <laughs> I feel like the James Webb Space Telescope is going to be released shortly after um, Half-Life 3 um, 
and maybe Skate 4. Well, Skate 4 used to be on a jokes. But and the third actually, book in the, there. The, they're actually releasing Skate 4. So, you know, happy days. Stuff can come out. Mm, October 31st, 2021. It's all coming through. <laughs> in, the, in the King Killer Chronicles. I don't know. If I'm not familiar with those. that book series. The name yeah, of the wind. Yeah, let me up you. Um, oh, okay. What's the I last book in the Game of, Thrones, Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah, I still have that yeah. shelf. Final shelf. book. Final book March. of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, October all 31st, 2021. It's all coming out. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> and then the, day, and the world ends on October 30th. Something like that. I mean, it hasn't already. <laughs> oh, look. Questionable, hey. Look. But should we, should we shuffle ourselves along? To the listener question. Oh, yeah, um, true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that, honestly. I was just like, well, I've talked about everything I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all, folks. We're going to just, you know, we don't care about our listeners. We're going to completely ignore, you know, any, anything you've sent in. Um, I don't care. Um, no, okay, yeah. But before so when we I do, was, like, doing my notes for this show, I had mm. two pages on the science and one page that was just the production <laughs> it's an I important like i think i th- i yeah. enjoyed that i mean i don't enjoy that it's not already up there but i enjoyed hearing about how it's not up there. yeah yeah i don't know soon anyway listeners <laughs> what was your question <laughs> so the listener the listener question that we have this week um was sent in from declan and he wanted to know does being cold make you more susceptible to catching a cold? So, like, uh, you know, we all know that colds aren't really colds, right? They're not, you know, when you when you get what's called the common cold or you get sick with the cold, it's it's not because you're cold, it's it's caused by a virus, right? Or any number of viruses, actually. There's quite a few viruses that count as what we call a cold um, or the flu. Coronaviruses? Uh, coronaviruses, some types of coronavirus. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. The, yeah, well, true. The no, SARS, I'm remembering. The SARS-CoV-2 yeah. virus, we don't count that as the cold. That's COVID-19. Um, uh, you just got a what I think it's just a flu, guys. There. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a <Yeah>. man flu. <laughs> it's just the, yeah. Um, oh. Or rhinoviruses are the other most common one for causing a common cold. Or just picturing mm. like a virus with a rhino. Coronas and rhinos. I love it. Um, but yeah, but the question the question is, okay, so we, we know it's caused by a virus, not by the cold, but does is there something about, I don't know, cold weather or, or something, you know, why why is it called a cold? Why why do we you know, we all heard it as kids, like put on a jumper or you'll catch a cold, sort of like I know often typically that, will get like at least my understanding or what I feel maybe a common understanding would be is that whether or not it's a direct cause of the cold, you're more likely to catch a cold in the wintertime. Or at least I find I get the sniffles more in wintertime than I do in summertime. Yeah, or, and exactly. Yeah. And you are not, you're not the only one. Like, that's the thing. This whole this whole idea that being cold causes the cold co- come, comes from, you know, the correlation between how many people get sick and, and the cold weather. Because there's is often, you know, it's much more prevalent during, like, winter months and stuff. And so, so that's why. But, like... Like, why? Why does this happen? So the reason this happens, there's there's a few different hypotheses and some scientists believe some of them and not others. You know, I think there's a little bit of column A, column B stuff going on here. Um, But I'm just going to, like, tear through the different possible reasons why you might be more likely to catch a cold during, like, winter months, right? Because 
you know, we all know everything about viruses now. We're all currently virus spread experts. And I love in my notes, what I've just written is more indoors, more huddle, um, which is fantastic, a fantastic way to describe it. More indoors, more huddle. But the thing, the idea is in winter, you spend more time indoors normally around other people. And so, you know, you've got less filtered air, as we all know, crowds cause viruses to jump between people. Okay, so being indoors, you're more around people, so you're more likely to catch cold. When you're indoors, you also get less vitamin D. So less vitamin D means that your immune system is potentially a little bit weaker, and once again, you may be more likely to catch something from an infected surface. The other reason the cold or cold weather might make you more likely to catch these viruses is because, so cold air is less humid, right? Because cold air just can't, it just can't hold as much water so there's decreased humidity which means a couple of things yeah so that's why cold air is normally drier right and so that has a couple of um, effects first of all it dries out the mucus in your nose and the mucus is essentially like a barrier right that stops the virus kind of getting in and so if it's dry there's there's less of a barrier and the virus can get in more easily also, the air being less humid means that the virus kind of because like these rhinoviruses and stuff are like airborne, so they they hang around in the air after you've sneezed them into the air. Um, and when the air is more humid, they kind of sink to the ground and become kind of like a, a you know less likely to be breathed in. Whereas when the air is really dry, they stay lighter and they float around and you know hang around longer, and therefore you're more likely to. Um, catch it. And then there's another hypothesis, which kind of stemmed directly from this study. They did this study where they got people, half the people stood in like a bucket of iced water and the other people didn't. Um, And the ones that stood in the the iced water were more likely to develop symptoms of the cold in, you know, days after than the ones that didn't. And those authors hypothesized that because when, when you're standing in cold or when you're in very, very cold weather, your blood vessels constrict, right? That's a thing that we just know happens, right? And so when your blood vessels constrict, the blood can't flow to places, you know, through your body quite as easily, which means the white blood cells, so your little, like, immune-fighting cells, they can't actually get to the virus to kill it quite as efficiently. That's the theory, um, though there's been some kind of, like, debate about that. And, you know, some people arguing that the people in this study just thought they were more likely to get sick because they were in cold water and that's why they got sick. Um, Mm. So, you know, it's a bit of... You can't really placebo people out of thinking that the water's cold. Exactly. But there was like... I read all these, like, a, a bunch of different, like, ways that they look to study this. And there's this one in particular that I, I want to go through because I'm just like, who the hell would sign up for this study? Like, I just... I don't understand what could possibly motivate someone. How much money were they offering? I don't know, but I would love to. Because what they did, this was back in 1958, they got 400 people to participate in this study. They And they put them into rooms. So they put some people into a room that's 27 degrees Celsius, some people in a 16 degrees Celsius room, and some people in a minus 12 degrees Celsius room. Then what they did is they put virus-infected mucus up some of their nostrils. Just to see whether they would get sick. Gross. And so what they found is that, like, the temperature of the room actually made no difference and about a third of the people that got the infected mucus got sick in each room. So the the room temperature didn't actually affect... Someone have to pay you to put virus-infected mucus up your nose. Asking for a friend. 
an right awful, now. <laughs> awful lot of money, um, especially at the moment. Gosh, because if I got sick right now, then, like, I'm oh, not true. allowed to go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, not right now. Before um, quarantine times. I guess I guess hundred, it depends also on, on the virus and, and how badly it's going to fuck me up. But, like, God, it would have to be a pretty penny. I, I And also just mucus. Like, just even if you ended up in the placebo group, you're still getting mucus injected up your nose. Like, who well, in their right mind the is a It could be worse. Honestly. It could be in the mouth. Like, There's a lot of mucus membranes, that's all I'm saying. It's still in your body. Like, and it kind of makes sense based on the... the Less with the blood vessel theory, but, like, you know, the stuff about people huddling together is what makes you more likely to get sick when it's cold or the humidity. Um, because this is – they've injected it just, like, straight up the mucus, so the temperature of the room is not going to make a difference. Because, like, feeling cold – we know mm. that feeling cold does not make us more susceptible, but it's just, yeah. It, the long-winded answer to the question of, you know, does being cold make you more susceptible to catching a cold – being cold doesn't, but some of the environmental and lifestyle factors that come about due to colder weather might make the spread of any virus, whether it be the common cold or, you know, COVID, um, more likely mm. to spread. So, yeah. Wash your damn hands. Yeah, it's moral a good of cautionary tale as we're now in the middle of winter, or at least here in the Southern Hemisphere <laughs> we are. Yeah, um, we're in the middle of winter, in the middle to of To our pandemic, listeners in the States, so you know, we're moving into autumn and then winter. So, you know, hands. keep up. Keep up that hand washing. Keep up that hand sanny. It's good. Well, people you. in the states know what autumn is. You just use the word they're autumn, a, and they they more, don't a, they call they it fall. The word aut- they use the word autumn as well. I'm pretty sure. Huh. I think it's more go. commonly known. Uh, as sorry, I mean, look, sorry, American listeners for not knowing. No, no, don't apologize. You know. They can. <laughs> it's payback for all the times that I've been listening to an American show and they don't use the metric system. Yeah, plus we <laughs> stick just it to them. Oh yeah, I just a, said a degrees, degrees Celsius. What's 350 Fahrenheit? Get out. I don't of know. Here. I was contemplating whether or not should we get the Fahrenheit equivalents for that, but I mean, yeah, no, I've uh, listened to a lot of American podcasts where they don't do the uh, the change into metric. Um, yeah, American yeah, science you, podcast. You don't consider metric. us. We won't consider you. Snap, snap, oh. snap, sassy. <laughs> Surely we can out. be the better person, though. I will sooner measure a test face telescope in Waluigi's than feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, everyone can relate to Waluigi's. Smash Bros. Yeah. It's an international All unit around of the world. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I told you, but I'm, I think I'm, I'm feel- about half a wah. <laughs> <laughs> 0. 0.7 wah. <laughs> How are you feeling today? A solid 12 wah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how are you feeling? Well, Luigi's a measurement of distance. What are you... Yeah, I'm feeling about five was... feet. I'm feeling about six feet. Keep your hands off other people's feet if they don't give you permission to touch them. Like, it's a little gross. And you boldly assume they didn't give me permission. Uh, I think we need to just, like, pull the pin on this episode before we get any weirder. We're losing people. I can feel it. And I think we're losing ourselves. Um, Do your outro. I've got a surprise afterwards, though. Oh, you've got a surprise? I'm scared. But, well, before we get there. Do your outro. Don't stop recording afterwards, though. (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, before before I launch into, you know, my standard outro, I wanted to give you the chance, Ben. Do you want to – do you have any social media or anything that you want to plug or any – Anything that you want to shout out if people want to find more of the words you have to speak, if they want to cite your uh, paper that's now been cited. Uh, oh, yeah. Catch me on Archive Fools. I'll, <laughs> I'll drop that number right now. Hope you all have your pen and paper. Hand. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, if you really you have an want orchid ID, own. like, you know. <laughs> 
I don't understand what if any of If you really want to like keep up to date with um, <laughs> Sorry, Matt, me and what I do things. and my science, um, I do have an Instagram. It's just Benjamin.Metha. Um, and I do just use that to post about astronomy and like, you know, what I do as a scientist. So yeah, cool. yeah give that a follow if you want. I'm not going to stop you, but I'm not, I don't know. Do what you want. <laughs> do what you want. Live Subscribe to this though. This podcast's worth it. I might come back. I'm a friend yeah. of the show. <laughs> You're a friend of the show now. You have to be back. Um, but yeah, if you do want to, you know, if you don't already follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram with the handle at Curiosity Rat or on Facebook, Facebook page is Curiosity Killed the Rat. Killed. Gosh, I can't even say our own show's name. That's a worry. <laughs> Curiosity Killed the Rat. You should know the show's name by now. It's written. It's written there on your damn phone right in front of you. Search that on Facebook. Give us a cheeky like. Um, yeah. Or you can email us in uh, your very own listener question at curiosityrat. Uh, fuck, what, what is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> curiosityrat at gmail.com. Dot fuck. fuck. <laughs> Curiosityrat at... Oh, I can't say it without... Huh. And if you guys have a listening question, please feel free to email it in at curiosityrat.gmail.com. Curiosityrat.com. You fucked it up. Gmail.com. Curiosityrat at gmail.com. We want. Just make like a meta cut of all of these outtakes and make that like really choppy. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of low on listener questions at the moment, so we'd be super keen to get as many as you want in there. Feel free to email more than once. We're. We're yeah, sure everyone's us. got lots of burning size, lots of questions. questions. Anything you're too lazy to Google yourself, I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> we'll Google it for you and say it in a better way than Google can. Mm. Oh, I can't guarantee that. It just takes that. about that's a lot two of weeks to get back to you. Okay, that's all we have going for it. <laughs> <laughs> We're a Google that takes two weeks to get back to you, and even then we might not get back to you, and we'll say it in a really convoluted way after an hour of talking about other shit first. You need to use your internet to get this Google. (laughs) So there's that. You you might need to use Google to find the show first. Um, But I promise it's worth Uh, it, guys. Come on. Well, you know what? I hope it's worth it. And I hope you guys found listening to that chaotic episode worth it. Um, Thanks for listening, guys. See you later. Peace out. Bye. I am just going to write right now, do a little screen share. Oh, host has disabled screen sharing. Oh, I'm sure. not going to do a little screen hold on, share. Let me, hold on. <laughs> host, how do I? You I don't know bitch. how to. Um, okay, so go to, like, Advanced. you should be able to change the settings and change who has permissions. Where's the settings? Oh, I can't. I don't. I'm next to screen share, there should be like a little like. Oh, the up arrow thing. Yeah, right. this is such a chaotic. <laughs> that's all right. That's why Matt exists. He give cuts give these that a awkward go. Bits out. Tell me, um, tell me if that works. None of this will make it into the final cut. I hope. On the contrary, I'm going to do an episode. We'll have a director's where it's only cut. Only the outtakes. <laughs> oh yeah, a different episode. An it's like you get a sandwich, cut off the crust, and throw out the middle bit, and then just serve someone the plain <laughs> crust. <laughs> just the crust. <laughs> Selling muffins. It's just here. crust. <laughs> That's what we we're going to title our outtake just episode. Just crust. Just crust. In crust we just trust. Just the crust. <laughs> All right. Crusty.